2: This is an RNZ podcast.
3: Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris. This week on our special at-home edition of At The Movies, a Long Island mother seeks the truth about her daughter's disappearance.
0: Either your phone's broke or your secretary's a moron, because I must have left 50 messages for you. This is my daughter, Shannon Maria Gilbert. There's one here for every day that she's missing and I'm going to continue posting these until you either find her or die of paper cuts. Do not ignore me.
3: A young black man in San Francisco decides to reclaim his family home. I want to buy a house. A house?
1: That's exciting. Uh, Are you working with an agent? No. Do I need to? No. Not necessarily. Um, Do you have a price range in mind? I have a house in mind. Oh. Um, It's on the market, I assume. How much are they asking? At least four million.
3: And the great film scholar Mark Cousins teams up with Tilda Swinton to make an encyclopedic documentary series about women filmmakers.
4: We thought, why don't we try and make a film that shows some of the great work uh, sort of tasting menu uh, of the great directors—and I'm talking about filmmakers from Australia in the 1920s, and Bulgaria in the 1950s, and and Iran in the 1970s. You know, not the be- not the really well-known ones.
3: With cinemas closed and everyone at home, at the movies has to change focus, but not too much. For the time being, we'll be featuring films you can watch at home, obviously, but our other mandate remains. The films we'll be talking about here will be current in most cases. They will have arrived online in the last week or so. And they won't have been seen in New Zealand before, outside of the film festival. And with any luck, they won't have been mentioned on RNZ National before either. And they will be films, feature films. Series, serials and soaps don't belong here. Your friends on Facebook can tell you all about those. And we won't be restricting ourselves to the obvious outlets either. Netflix has to be considered, obviously, but it is not the only game in town. There's Amazon's Prime Video, iTunes and Lightbox for new release rentals, Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus, Acorn TV, Canopy and the pay channels like Rialto, We know that not everyone will have access to all of those outlets, but that's where those one-month free trials come in. And besides, not every movie played in every part of New Zealand when the cinemas were open. When we were discussing this change of emphasis, it was assumed that many of the films that should have been in cinemas now would move to streaming pretty quickly. That hasn't turned out to be the case just yet. Some of the films that were in cinemas at the time of the slowdown have been rushed to home video at some fairly expensive rental prices. The Invisible Man, for example, is around 20 bucks just to rent on iTunes. And the big studios have just moved all their release dates by several months, hoping that the big bucks will still be on the table later this year or next. For example, the new Ghostbusters picture Ghostbusters Afterlife has moved from the 2020 Northern Hemisphere summer to roughly the same dates in July 2021. And even if cinemas here open before the rest of the world, because this lockdown is going to work, right, that doesn't mean the taps are going to be turned on for us. We'll still have to play along with Hollywood's dates for their blockbusters, which means even more uncertainty for local cinema owners on top of what we're all experiencing today.
0: What about her jacket? If Hackett had contact with Shannon, her jacket would prove it. It would have skin cells or fibers on it or something. We don't have the
1: jacket. When they first picked it up, Shannon wasn't officially missing and it got lost.
0: What is this, some kind of cover-up or just incompetence? Search the marsh or I'm going on the news.
3: True crime never seems to lose its appeal, whether on podcasts, documentary series or movies. There never seems to be a shortage of miscarriages of justice, unsolved murders, cold cases and historical mysteries to get your teeth into. Lost Girls, the first feature film from experienced documentarian Liz Garbus, ticks all of these boxes. Based on the true story of a series of unsolved murders of sex workers in Long Island in the late 90s and early 2000s, Lost Girls is centred on the mother of a missing young woman, Mari Gilbert, played by Amy Ryan. One night, her eldest daughter, Shannon, and their relationship appears to be loving but strained, doesn't turn up for a prearranged dinner and doesn't answer her phone. Her boyfriend calls, which never happens, and there's a mysterious phone call the next morning from a doctor who nobody knows, asking if they know where she is. After getting not much help from the cops where Shannon was last seen, a remote, gated community in a place called Oak Beach, despite Shannon's final phone call being a 20-minute call to 911 while she appears to be running for her life, the forthright Mari tries to pile on the pressure. It's only when a deputy lets his dog out for a pee on Ocean Parkway and discovers some human remains that the cops start looking for a prostitute murdering serial killer. But Shannon's whereabouts are still a mystery.
0: It sounds like Shannon's running from her driver. You can hear him in the 911 call. That didn't make any sense. I don't care how f***ed up I am, my ass is going to that driver because he's my way out. He's my safety. It's what you pay him for. Well, maybe he was mad she didn't pay him. Why would she all of a
4: sudden not pay her driver?
0: Maybe because she was bringing money home.
3: The first two-thirds of Lost Girls feels unremarkable. The script by Michael Were We, and based on a book by Robert Kolker, doesn't exactly come flying off the page onto the screen. The cinematography by Igor Martinovich emphasises the grey skies of an autumn and winter in Long Island, which is presumably accurate, but drab. Amy Ryan seems to find it hard to bring Mari to life, but then so do all the supporting actors, including New Zealander Thomasin Mackenzie as one of the younger daughters and Gabriel Byrne as the chief of police. But then something happens, and the film finds its way under your skin. The frustration of a police investigation that is so hapless becomes the audience's injustice as well as Mari's. It's not a long film, only about 95 minutes, which makes a nice change. And for Netflix audiences accustomed to flicking around for immediate gratification, they might not make it that far. But the real emotional kick comes at the closing credits. I won't reveal what it is, but it does make you feel in a way that the rest of the movie often struggles to.
0: How can you say Sean is not connected? She was last seen three miles from the other girls. She was in her 20s, just like them. She was small, just like them. She was on Craigslist, just like them. None of those other girls would have been found if it wasn't for her.
1: It doesn't mean that we're going to stop looking for her, Mrs.
0: Carver. Mom, what about Hackett?
2: Even if he did call you, it's not evidence of guilt
0: lying about it is
2: i understand that you're angry mrs gilbert but a policeman deals in evidence not not anger
0: (laughs) what fortune cookie did you read that in
3: when i was looking for subjects for this first at home at the movies lost girls caught my eye because it had been ahead at sundance earlier this year before being picked up straight away by netflix i thought it might be one of those mid-range dramas of the kind that have proved to be solid business in independent cinemas in new Zealand. Instead, it doesn't really rise to the level where I would have recommended a visit to the pictures to see it. But what's our criteria now? If you already have Netflix, there's no cost, except your time, and Lost Girls is a solid, respectable, serious drama about a real thing which happened. It exists, and it's better than all right.
0: Is this where they keep the security footage? Are you from the news? We unfortunately don't have it from that night. It gets taped over automatically. It runs on a loop. I'm sorry. But the police got a copy, right? We found it odd. They never asked. I'm sorry. Who are you?
3: Lost Girls is rated 13+, plus according to the Netflix classification system, and is streaming now on Netflix.
5: Are y'all paying attention? Why do they have on these suits and we don't? Why? They here to clean this water. Man, this water been dirtier than the devil's mouth for 50 years. And now they want to clean it. They got plans for us, man. Looking like George Jefferson rejects. Because they weak. Weak hearts. Weak lungs. Can't even breathe up here without a mask. but we was put through hell to be purified. You know what I'm saying, brothers and sisters?
1: Man, it's crazy what jail will do to a nigga.
5: They don't care about that water, man. There's something going on. We're going to get to the bottom of it. And they lucky I'm a man of God right now.
1: You think he rehearses this every morning?
3: The Last Black Man in San Francisco was reportedly one of Barack and Michelle Obama's favourite films last year, and I half expected it to be a selection for the 2019 International Film Festival. It didn't make it there, and has finally emerged here in Aotearoa as a digital release. It doesn't all work, but it is ambitious, and it is memorable. Based on the life story of lead actor and co-writer, the improbably but wonderfully named Jimmy Fails, it's about a young man, one of the world's working poor, sleeping on the floor of his best friend's bedroom and dreaming of somehow belonging in a city where gentrification is pushing third and fourth generation San Franciscans onto the streets or into the remote suburbs in favor of Silicon Valley tech workers and the staff of young startups. Every two weeks, Fales and his mate, an aspiring artist and writer played by Jonathan Majors, cross town to visit the house where Fales grew up, the house the family legend states was built by his grandfather, and the house that his father lost due to drugs and other misadventures when Fales was just a kid. When the current occupants move out due to some kind of family falling out, Fales takes the opportunity to move in, hoping that some kind of squatter's rights will give them that place to belong. Of course, it doesn't quite work out like that.
1: I want to buy a house. A house? That's exciting. Uh, are you working with an agent? No. Do I need to? No. Not necessarily. Um, do you have a price range in mind? I have a house in mind. Oh. Um, it's on the market, I assume. How much are they asking? At least $4 million. Uh, And how much are you willing to put down? How much as usual? Well, typically we'd be looking to secure at least 20%.
5: I wouldn't have that.
3: Vivid, sensitive and evocative. The Last Black Man in San Francisco has moments of grandeur and moments of wonderful surreality, but it does go flying off the rails at the start of what you might call the third act and never quite pulls itself together. But Fails and his co-writer and director Joe Talbot are names to keep an eye out for. Produced by Brad Pitt's Plan B Company, this is a film that shows once again that Pitt and his producing partner, Dee Dee Gardner, are a force for good in movies. It's definitely worth a look. The last black man in San Francisco is rated ML. That's for mature audiences and contains offensive language. That's according to the Lightbox classification system. On Apple, it's rated 13+. It's available now for digital rental at Apple, Lightbox or the Microsoft Store for $7.99 or for digital purchase from Apple for only $9.99. I've always thought that my job as a film reviewer is mostly to encourage audiences to look a little closer at what they're being shown, to see what's going on below the surface of films and question the media that we consume a little more deeply. Critical thinking is one of the things that will save us in these troubled times. When I look for someone to help me look a little deeper, I often turn to Mark Cousins, one of the great film historians. His 15-hour The Story of Film and Odyssey is essential viewing for anyone who wants to learn about global motion picture culture. His latest epic is a 14-hour collaboration with Tilda Swinton, a road movie through the history of women filmmakers called Women Make Film. I spoke to him from his lockdown in Edinburgh, Scotland.
2: What follows is not about the director's lives. It's not a chronological history. It's not an analysis of how women directors are different from men. And it's not one of those lists of the best films ever made. No, it has cleaner lines than that. Our film is about the films, the scenes. It answers practical questions. What's an engaging way to start a film? How do you set its tone? How do you make it believable?
4: I've never had a problem with concentration, Dan, you know, so I have a film to write at the moment and I'm writing it four or five hours a day. And um, I've been doing Skypes with various film schools around the world, lots of Students, of course, are suddenly having to learn from home, and I've been asked by various film schools to do talks and things, and so my days are very full, and in my spare time I've been decided to dive into films of the 1940s, and particularly 1940, so I'm seeing lots of new films from that year that I've never seen.
3: Why did you choose 1940? I chose I don't know I decided
4: to choose a number 40 to, to be my sort of lockdown number. I think it's to do with that biblical thing of 40 days and 40 nights and I figured we might be in lockdown for for that amount of time. So I chose that number and then I did a kind of visual talk online called 40 Days to Make Film, to Learn Film, and then I just chose that year almost by chance, and uh, there are lots of famous films made in that year, Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, The Philadelphia Story, so I'm avoiding all of those, and I'm looking at Indian films from 1940 and Russian films from 1940, Argentina, etc.,
3: I'm interested in 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 so much of your work. This there's um there's an acknowledgement that what we as sort of I guess mainstream film critics, me um, and my colleagues uh, often patronizingly refer to as world cinema, but you don't see a distinction, do you? Like everything seems to have the same weight to you.
4: Yes, I think that's that's a good point, Dan. I think you know there is there's, there's I don't believe that there's our cinema and then their cinema. There's no us and them. I think this is in the time when lots of politicians. In America and Hungary and in India, for example, are trying to put up borders and say, we, our nation, is better or different from other nations. One of the empowering things about cinema is that it's a global language. You know, everybody in the world who could see a, a screen in the 1920s knew who Charlie Chaplin was. Cinema, had, at its best, has always leapt over national boundaries. And therefore, when I watch an Indian film from 1950s, it is not foreign to me. It is mine because it's speaking my language, the language of the movies.
3: Probably, the the, the, I guess, the film or the series of films that you're most well-known for is the story of film and Odyssey, which is um, the most extraordinary introduction to... um, The world of cinema that uh, I think anybody has come up with, even even um, Martin Scorsese's um, introductions to film (laughs) are not as certainly not as comprehensive uh, and as uh, as deep as as that one is. That was fifteen hours. Your new film, Women in Film, uh, the Road Movie, uh, is only fourteen hours. So is this women getting the thin end of the wedge again?
4: No, not at all. I, there are loads of women directors in, in the story of film. I think of more than 20, but I just, over the years, I had been, every time I traveled anywhere in the world, I'd been just saying, who are your great female directors? And I'd built such a long list, and I'd been watching the films, and I felt that there was so much stuff, that what, so many great films directed by women who, that weren't being seen and inspired by many of the feminist activists and female um, film historians that I knew, we thought, why don't we try and make a film that shows some of the great work, a uh, sort of tasting menu uh, of the great directors. And I'm talking about filmmakers from Australia in the 1920s and Bulgaria in the 1950s and and Iran in the 1970s, you know, not the, be- not the really well-known ones.
3: Is there such a thing as... A woman, a, a a film that women want to make, you know, like, do they have? Um, is there a female point of view that is distinct from a male point of view, for example? And it seems to me that your kind of manifesto is is to is to is to say the exact opposite: is that there there is no <laughs> single point of view.
4: Yeah, well, people who haven't seen many films directed by women think that there's a certain type of film that women make you know, and well-meaning people on the left think that because women are more empathic or something, then maybe women have made great films about children or relationships, etc. But the more you watch and you if you watched thousands of these films, you realize women have made every kind of film. War movies, uh, action films, as wave across the spectrum, experimental films. And so I'm very, very reluctant to accept any of these generalizations. And to general about that is to generalize about gender and identity and that imprisons people you know during this process a lot of people said to me Catherine Bigelow makes films like a man and I am constantly outraged by that (laughs) Catherine Bigelow makes films like Catherine Bigelow and she owns those themes those narratives those style that propulsion as much as any male filmmaker. I'm lucky enough to know lots of the great female filmmakers and they just say, treat me as a filmmaker. You know, do me, the, do me the service of looking at my work and then women make film, as you can see. That's what we do. We look at their work and talk about them as filmmakers.
3: Another question uh, that occurred to me, Um, watching the series was um, not only kind of inspired by how few of these women that I knew. And I was thinking about um, that how influential or otherwise many of these films um, have or haven't been because if they're so difficult to see, how can a filmmaker then influence the next generation and how – because there are some quite extraordinary visions that you present to us, but um, they they seem to sort of start and stop where they where they land. If you know what I mean?
4: Yes, there's truth in that. And uh, the the question of how, who these filmmakers influenced depends on where you're sitting. So, for example, if we take Bulgaria and the great filmmaker Binka Jeliazkova, she was massively influential in Bulgaria and slightly outside Bulgaria in the region of the Soviet sphere. So when we're talking about you in New Zealand or me here in Scotland, we did not see her work, but people closer to home did. Her films were very, very popular, big at box office, etc. If these women have been sequestered or pushed to one side by film history, uh, it's never too late to see their work, to restore their work, to have it on Blu-ray. And for us as movie lovers, to get them into the conversation so it's better late than never that they become influential. One thing that I've found in showing women make film around the world is young female filmmakers at the end of it are often in tears are saying, I did not know I was part of a tradition. And, there, and there, we have a feeling that um, f- female filmmaking is a stop-start business you get to make a few films and that's it but actually there's a big tradition there are thousands of female filmmakers and if we know that and if the culture knows that I think young women are more likely to want to be part of that tradition they're not alone not exposed not so solitary uh, if you feel that you are part of something that's been going on a long time
2: we're back in Poland again a smile broken by a run But even across the road isn't safe. So they're back here. And a slight pan right. But then a German soldier. And pans left and left. Still no cut. Then hustled, hassled, deported. And then the dreaded dissolve to the dreaded place. Auschwitz. Astonishingly, writer-director Wanda Jakubowska had been a prisoner in Auschwitz. Now, just one year after it was liberated, she's back there as a movie maker, shooting this film, *The Last Stage*. It's a masterpiece.
3: Women make film, a new road movie through cinema, screens weekly on Rialto Channel from the first of April, with encore screenings of every episode through April and May. It's rated sixteen plus. Mark's improvised introduction to film study 40 days to learn film is free on YouTube and we have embedded it on the webpage for this program at rnz.co.nz forward slash at the movies you can hear the complete version of my interview with Mark Cousins at the same page it's about 25 minutes long and it is gold it was so hard to cut down and that's our program We're listening to San Francisco, Be Sure to Wear Some Flowers in Your Hair, performed by Mike Marshall, which is from the closing titles of The Last Black Man in San Francisco.
5: If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear...
3: Before I go, here's one final recommendation for home viewing. It's a website called ondemand.nzfilm.co.nz and it's the streaming service that's quietly being run by the New Zealand Film Commission. There you can digitally rent or buy dozens of shorts, features and documentaries from Aotearoa New Zealand. Prices are extremely reasonable and while you do your purchasing and selection on the web, they have apps for Apple and Google that let you watch your films on your main screen at home. Why not catch up with Taika Waititi's breakout performance as one of four Dunedin flatmates with a secret in Scarfie's? Or Illustrious Energy, Leon Narby's beautiful portrait of Chinese gold miners in Otago that was made in 1988. Some of these films are available online elsewhere, but most of them aren't. I'm going to use the lockdown to fill in some gaps in my New Zealand film watching and help keep the wheels of the film commission turning at the same time. I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as at 11 all one word. And there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. I'll be back with more suggestions for home viewing during the lockdown at the same time next week.
5: There's a whole generation with a new explanation. People in motion. People in motion.